0: I'm Michael Johnson, CEO of Metric, and I'm proud to work in cannabis because we're making lives better for all folks that participate.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Proud to Work in Cannabis podcast. Today, I'm very excited. We've been excited about this episode, and I feel like we've been trying to schedule it for a long time. Today, I have the CEO of Metric, Michael Johnson, on with me. Michael, how are you today?
0: I'm well. How are you?
1: I am doing well. I haven't seen you since Las Vegas, the Casa Verde lunch, so it's nice to see your face today.
0: Absolutely. Likewise. Well, you are obviously one of my, one of my favorites in the cannabis space, so it's an honor to be able to be with you today
1: in your, you are calling in from your office in Florida.
0: We're in Lakeland, Florida. Yes. It's a, uh, mostly like a farming distribution hub, kind of halfway between Tampa and Orlando, um, home to a lot of, like, I can actually see cows, um, and, uh, and a lot of Florida man stories. So.
1: Didn't you say that there's an airport really close to you? That's like, Amazon's own airport or something. It is on
0: the other side of the building, on the back side of the building is uh, the Lakeland International Airport, which is quite glamorous. Um, but at one point, I don't know if it's still accurate. It had more Amazon airplanes, the, the Prime Air jets, than any uh, other airport at any time, which is pretty interesting. This is uh, from a distribution, from a supply chain perspective, which I'm a big nerd in supply chain. Uh, Florida is a very uh, kind of a, a hard place to be able to tackle from a distribution Mm -hmm. perspective because basically it's a peninsula. And so um, Lakeland is almost right in the center of the state. And so it allows for folks to to have a a really good central hub uh, in terms of their distribution centers. And so Amazon has one of the largest distribution centers that they have based here.
1: Wow. Mm And wait, remind me, were you always from Florida or did you move to Florida for metric?
0: I uh, so I I lived in Florida. I went to college at the University of South Florida, which is in Tampa. Um, mm-hmm. Before that, um, I lived mostly in the Northeast, and uh, but I, I was actually oddly born in Tallahassee. So I am I am a native technically, but I moved away when I was like three months old.
1: But you're back in Florida, the the home state. Yes. Well, tell me a little bit. How did you decide to? get into the cannabis industry and then of course we'll walk through the journey of you ultimately becoming the CEO of one of the most important companies in the space but 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 how did you decide to get into the space to start out with?
0: Uh, I actually learned about metric uh, from from your people from your company at bankst and so I was certainly uh, I was I was connected to metric via bankst and um, it was a, a very unique conversation there's not a lot of people. Um, that typically reach out from a recruiter perspective or a headhunter perspective to uh, folks that, that do what I did. And, and I've been CFO of a number of different technology and SaaS based firms um, and, and happen to be uh, CEO of one here in the Tampa Bay area. Um, and, and every now and again, you get reached out to from a recruiter with something, it's just not typically in, from the Tampa area. And it's such a small technology community that we tend to know each other pretty well. And I get reached out to um, about a job um, from a, from a firm that I at that time hadn't heard a lot about um, in Lakeland, Florida, with a very fast-growing SaaS business. Uh, and it certainly piqued my interest. And I I felt like I knew all of them, but evidently did not, and was able to get acquainted with the folks that founded Metric. Um, the The primary founder, Jeff Wells, is is really uh, I, I I cannot think of a better man than than Jeff, anybody I've ever met. Um, He is a salt of the earth guy. Metric is the product of essentially 30 years of of his life, 10 years just trying to make payroll. Um, Couldn't be more genuine. Guy's a, doesn't swear, church on Sunday kind of a guy, Not not the guy that you would expect to have been able to build something in the cannabis space, but ultimately the technology that he put together from a supply chain software perspective as well as uh, the integration and his knowledge associated with RFID made Metric really the, the the de facto choice for what was a very specific search in Colorado when Colorado originally passed medical legalization.
1: Jeff Wells is such a legend. I remember a story you told me about when he legitimately like moved to California, like across the street from mm-hmm. the. Can you share, share a little yeah. bit of that story? I mean, that just so, like defines him in a nutshell.
0: It, it is. And he really is. I think a lot of people, at least a lot of the folks I've met, look at Metric as sort of this black box that doesn't really care about the customer and uh, really couldn't be further from the truth. Metric cares uh, exceptionally uh, to, to exceptional levels, exceptional lengths about the customer. It's just for so long as the industry was getting set up, the primary focus was on government. And so the relationships with our government partners was very specific to this is what we need to set up regulation, um, and it, I think I think folks were just trying to figure out what to do, and that certainly evolved quite a bit. Um, at the time, Metric had a few states, and the California uh, RFP was was on the on the horizon, and so Jeff wanted to make sure that we were doing everything we could from a Metric perspective to represent and I think identify what the needs were in California and what they were looking out for. Uh, and we're, we're obviously completely on the other side of the country, sometimes it seems like on the other side of the world. And uh, the fact that you know, we, we needed, or at least from Jeff's perspective, we needed to have folks boots on the ground 24 hours a day. Jeff just uproots his life, you know, moves out to California. He was there for 14 months, leased an apartment directly across the street from, from where the folks were that he spent time meeting. Uh, and he said, look, I'm, I'm outside your window. You need to have a conversation. Let me know. I'm right there. Um, you know, he had a, we had a lease on a Honda Accord. I, I remember looking at that when I came on board, It's like, we still have this, it was, like, well, it was a five year lease to get the right deal. And you know, he's a pretty cost conscious guy and Jeff, um, Jeff, just, this is all he did. He, he would hear, we think we might need this. And he would come back and go back to his apartment, which had, uh, from what I understand, had a folding table and a folding chair. And that was about it. And he um, and he would he would code it and say I did it I'm you know we we adjusted this we adjusted that and he had a couple people with them and certainly some folks that came in and out um, but over time Jeff got up to 400 pounds in that time and so he uh, you can find some old pictures and videos of Jeff and he's a much bigger guy and every now and again he'll find an old jacket or something bring it in and um, and at the end of that the end of the California 400
1: world, did I just uh, did I hear that right 400 pounds was a
0: big guy. Um, at the end of that process in California, he read an article about, you know, the dangers of sugar and whatnot. He decided, sugar, sugar, I'm done with sugar. I'm out. And he cut out sugar and he lost 120 pounds in a year.
1: Wow. Okay. So Jeff Wells moves across the street from the folks he needs to meet with yeah. office to basically say, I'm here. Anything that you need, come and, come and talk to me about, which is such an incredible learning for aspiring entrepreneurs. I think that so much of entrepreneurship gets so like um what's the word I'm looking for? Like like glam. Like it looks so fabulous and like you're speaking on panels and doing you know, here here the two of us are doing podcasts. But the reality is the early days, it requires you to go from Florida to California, rent an apartment and a Hyundai lease and have a folding table and walk across the street so that anytime uh, the government, which in this case is your customer, needs something. You're right there. So huge, huge shout out to Jeff Wells, one of the best entrepreneurs in our industry. So, okay, now you make your way. You meet Jeff Wells. You realize this is incredible. And it. And, and what was your role when you came into the company? Talk to us about what you were hired to originally do.
0: So when I um, when I met the company and was kind of uh, connected via via banks um which many of us are shout out Vangst.
1: thank you for um, that thank you for that plug you, it was you I'm did a, your I'm job a, you did that job you did your job on the podcast no, now now that. you can be candid I'm no, just kidding
0: <laughs> I'm an original bankster do we do do we do this is that like yeah we, we, we should
1: yeah I like that we should come up with some kind of uh if you're a bankster we should have some kind of a secret handshake
0: I think like the the this isn't this like the this is like a Star Trek thing right Vangster. I it's I'm hard so, to do it's hard to, it's hard to
1: do I'm so bad with like pop yeah. culture, Star Trek. I don't, I don't no know. Either.
0: So either way, yes, I, I'm an original either way. bankster. I met with, uh, I met with them. And so Jeff is, you know, as, as I just described, Jeff's the kind of guy that will do whatever it takes, but Jeff's a, Jeff's a developer. Jeff's not a business mind. He'll be the first one to tell you it's not a business mind. Um, and so he, you know, he built something that I think is pretty special. And when I, when I became acquainted with metric it was a couple years after, um, after they had received a little bit of funding from Tiger Global and, uh, and Casa Verity, which, to be very candid, was mostly to retire a lot of debt that Jeff had accumulated over 30 years from friends and family and you know some institutions, and uh, a little bit that, that helped facilitate the growth and kind of put a couple couple pieces together um, just so much could keep up. And what I saw when I got there was um, a company that had a lot of potential, was very interesting, but was certainly in need of a lot of help and uh, it was a big job. And uh, the company I was with, we were uh, in the middle of selling, which we did sell, but for me, it wasn't it just wasn't gonna work at that point in time. But I stayed in contact with Jeff, um, and they actually brought in a CFO that didn't work out. Um, and I stayed in contact with him I tried to help him. I actually helped him find some different people that you know could kind of fill some spots in his organization we stayed close and eventually, um, I started to advise the organization and advise the board. Um, it kept growing and getting bigger and winning more States and more States. Um, but it was having a bit of a challenge from a profitability perspective and they didn't really have a, a CFO that was operational to kind of help them pull the, pull the, the strings together to kind of fund the, the future growth potential and, and actually just keep the business, you know, in the, in the green or in the black. Um, and so, Eventually, it just made sense to where I would join. Um, and Jeff is not, by his own admission, isn't isn't much of, uh, isn't looking at operations and the detail of it in the most, uh, I'd say, textbook sense. Um, and so he, he said, I need a little bit of help. And I joined as president and CFO, spent most of my time trying to build a lot of the fundamental infrastructure that I have to imagine that a lot of entrepreneurs are, are facing as their business scales And so there wasn't there wasn't much of an HR function. There wasn't much of a legal function, much wasn't much of an accounting and finance function. And so we built a lot of that out, not a lot of great internal systems and processes and whatnot. Um, And we've we invested quite a bit in that. And as we got further and further down the line, we kind of realized that we're at a crossroads. And the industry, I think, evolved in a way and I think the, the government has evolved in a way uh to where we need to find a way and it became very apparent that we we, it was incumbent upon upon us to find a way to help facilitate uh a frictionless compliance structure compliance um compliance rails that allow for uh businesses to be successful allows for the government to regulate and allows for this really strong underpinning of a safe and secure industry and that means and, and it meant at the time but certainly means even more so today Uh, investing in the customer experience and expanding what definition of customer means because for a decade um, by definition and sometimes contractually by definition uh, customer meant government and so we have evolved over i'd say the past uh, year to 18 months to be very very focused on creating the very best experience we can for the customers the vast majority of folks that use metric do not use another software system so over 70 percent use metric as their primary system of record and the primary operating tool, and so realizing that we've got over 350,000 users and 70% of them rely on Metric as the core backbone to what their what their day-to-day operations are, is a huge responsibility, and it's one that uh, we care a lot about. Um, but it's one that I think was secondary to our relationship with with uh, with the governments in the past, and now we're we're really kind of refocusing that, uh, and and I think doing a much better job at being out there um, kind of creating more visibility into metrics so that it's not just a black box it's it's an opportunity to share your perspective to share your pain points and and really get some meaningful feedback so that we can improve upon those pain points
1: yeah i definitely want to talk about that in the customer experience and 350,000 users well that's that's more than i even realized but before mm-hmm. i before i go into that so at what point, so you joined as the president and CFO and you built out a lot of the functions mm-hmm. like legal, HR. At what point did um, did Jeff approach you and the board approach you to step into the CEO role and, and how did that shake out?
0: Um, it was an interesting conversation. I, I wasn't expecting it, to be honest. Um, it was more when we got to that crossroads and I was a big champion of the customer experience and, and identifying that. The future of Metric is much more than just providing government compliance software. It's about creating a foundation that regulatory supply chains—not that are not just limited to cannabis, because we actually have others—can um, can flourish, and we can make people's businesses much more successful um, by making compliance frictionless and adding value. Uh, and Jeff, you know, thought on that, and that was a, a big, a big, uh, big difference for him—a big paradigm paradigm shift. We talked about it a lot with the board about strategically where we want to be in the future, um, and he came into a meeting and said, "I I think that I think that this vision, the vision that I that I had laid forth, um, matches with with what he thinks was absolutely necessary for the business. Uh, it certainly matched with uh, what we were what we were working with our board on." Uh, and he said, "And I think I think it's best for me to focus on vision. I think it's best for Michael to focus on being CEO." And that's how I found out. Um, so it was uh, it was an interesting thing. Of course, there was a lot of other stuff. It was, I think, uh, I, I don't think it was on a whim. I know it wasn't on a whim, but it was a. Uh, at that point in time, it was certainly something that I thought was um, really meaningful and uh, incredibly humbling to be, um, to be named as as the steward of of somebody of a founder's business and the lifeblood that they put together or that he's put together for. Really for thirty years, um, so it's it's been a tremendous honor. Uh, I hit the ground running. Uh, I am I am. What year yet... was this,
1: by the way? What, remind, remind me what a year this, is?
0: this was. Okay, um, one year ago. I think May fifth, last year.
1: Wow! Like... So congratulations on one year as CEO.
0: Thank you. It's been. Uh, it sounds seems like it's gone on for a decade and also ten minutes at the same time. So it's uh, it's weird.
1: So so what is the so now jeff's focusing on vision you're focusing on ceo what is the you guys working relationship now like that it's, it's kind of shifted from him being the ceo to you being the ceo we we recently had we recently had ryan smith and Artie mm-hmm. um from leaflink and yeah. ryan just moved into a executive chairman and yep. Artie became CEO. And so they talked about this. So i I think it's a super interesting topic. So I'm curious to hear how that's been for you and Jeff.
0: Yeah, it's it probably a bit different than how Ryan and Artie are working. Um, and, and I think Artie, Artie has been, you know, Artie's been there and done that a bunch of times. He's an exceptionally experienced person. So uh, I'm definitely needed probably a little bit more help than, than Artie would. Uh, Jeff has been, I mean, Jeff, I see Jeff every day. Uh, we talk every day, oh, multiple cool. times a day. Um, we're in the same office. I I live like 40 miles away from our office. I come in every day, primarily, um, so I can work on things with Jeff. Um, mm-hmm. Jeff's vision in technology and how um, and how we can we can solve problems, is incredible. Uh, and his ability to really understand and get to the heart of things is is really very very unique. I just don't I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like it. Uh, but the day-to-day operational parts are not things that Jeff loves to talk about. He doesn't love to talk about money. He doesn't love to talk about uh, re- like putting a resource in the right place. He's not somebody that spent a lot of his time trying to think about what the overall customer experience is outside of technology. And from the technology side, that's how he's that's how he's done it. I mean, him and, and a few other guys are are the ones that really coded the vast majority of metric, uh, but from a position in terms of handling, um, you know customer issues challenges and support I take support calls uh, try and take them every week um, to getting boots on the ground and meeting with licensees in their dispensaries and their farms and their in their distribution centers um, understanding what they're what they're doing on a day in a day basis that's that's the part that Jeff is probably a little bit far further outside of what is his what sweet spot is sweet spot is definitely much more focused on the technology
1: yeah so when I, like the last time I spoke to you you were doing a customer visit and you just said that you take customer support calls and you're really focused on this customer experience customer journey that's what i see when i talk to you in the team at metric but there's people out there that for that really don't like metric why, why do you think people out there don't like metric and what kind of like like how has that been because you know you, it seems like you're busting your ass to understand the customer understand the pain points and Every single time I speak to you, you're dealing with something with a customer. So it is a little bit confusing when I see these like haters on the internet for metrics. So, so what, what what's the issue?
0: We have a long way to go. I'm particularly proud of our team and the progress we've made. Uh, the, the system runs significantly faster than it did you know, this time last year, uh, but it's an enterprise system. And so you have a lot of you're starting at expectations that are very different for what metrics should be versus what uh, what customer experiences are, and so for one, like an enterprise system, so using something like NetSuite or Oracle or SAP, that's the same level that we're referring to. And so in those systems, things things won't happen as quickly as they happen in Google or in Instagram because you're you're working and you're actually building really sophisticated relational databases. And so for folks, the expectation is that it should be like this, and it's, and it hasn't been. So we can sit and say, like we have for a long time, that hey, this is an enterprise system, it's just how it is. Uh, or we can, or we can really invest in making it better, and we have, and we'll continue to, because it's still not where it needs to be, and not until that spinning wheel is totally dead. Um, but folks get frustrated by that, and and I don't blame them. I would be frustrated too. It's gotten better, but it's not good enough. Um, the second thing is uh, looking at Metric as a compliance tool. I mean, it, and it, at its core, it is a compliance tool. and Not everybody loves compliance, just like not everybody loves to go to the DMV. I doubt the MPS score for the DMV is, you know, 90. My
1: um, my younger sister was there today, and I've since we've gotten onto this podcast, she sent me several voice memos, and so I can only imagine yes. the things she has to say about the DMV. I mean, worst experience. Everyone, like, why is it so bad?
0: I feel like they've gotten better. At least around me, they've gotten better. I actually heard Colorado's were a little bit better, so perhaps.
1: No, no, <laughs> not not in my experience.
0: Okay, but um, but. So- but The ones in Florida have gotten better. They actually have kiosks for like renewals that will actually like print your license inside of grocery stores here, which is super interesting. Um, But anyway,
1: so so you were saying, you know, they've done a lot of innovation and a DMV
0: is not, it actually is an interesting analog because you you don't go there because you want to, you go there because you have to. And so there is value that can be provided in making things accessible and convenient and having a support person that you can call and perhaps having you know, kind of a vending machine type of a setup in a grocery store to be able to handle some of the more, uh, more simple issues, uh, we can do that too. And so folks generally don't get excited about compliance tools, and I don't blame them. And so (laughs) our, our expectation for the expectation where we're at is, is really like, you're okay, I have to put this in the system, not I get to. And so kind of shifting that paradigm from, uh, required to desired is going to take a lot longer than the year I've been in, you know, in my role right. as CEO, and, and a lot longer than anybody's here been here at Metric. I mean, the, the simple reality is, most people don't, you know, wake up every day getting super excited about using government software. And so, how do we make Metric uh, and how do we make compliance and the value of it, which is, you know, really supporting public health, uh, a, a really strong and robust legal market where folks can. Blossom where innovation really can take off, which I think it has in, in many ways. But um, we can keep people safe. How do we how do we help fortify that in a way that actually delivers value to everybody that participates in the system? And so we're working on that quite a bit. And that's why we've made such a strong investment in the customer experience to make sure that folks are, you know, to the extent you're having pain points, um, that we're able to answer those questions quickly. Um, we've, we've invested in hiring a number of folks, we've invested in a number of additional systems. Um, to be able to make it such that a you don't have those pain points but when you do it's a it's a pleasant outcome for you Uh, but yeah you're going to keep hearing things unfortunately and uh that's not something i accept it's something that we're you know i I will my last day on the job i'll still be fighting um but we also want to do everything we can to find those opportunities to not be just a painkiller as we make these improvements but to surprise and delight and there's got to be there's got to be a fun element to um, kind of what you're doing. And as I mentioned, about 70% of our users do not use another uh, integration or like a third party tool that's integrated into Metric, which means that they are using Metric day in and day out. And they're frequently you know, adding you know, pen and paper, or handwritten things, or Google Sheets or Excel or whatever to that. Um, how do we make it such that for those folks, uh, it's a it's an easier experience for them to be compliant and such that it's not. What they do all day long but it's something that sort of happens uh, kind of automatically
1: yeah and for folks listening i should have done this in the beginning but who may not be overly familiar with metric can you just explain to them the relationship with the government and how this is a compliance tool that the state is mandating that folks use and so maybe just like walk us through you guys decide that you want to operate in colorado you go through the process of uh bidding the rfp with the government Could just kind of walk folks through that that maybe are not as familiar with metric as you know people in the industry are
0: yeah absolutely um so metric is a we make one product we have one single product and that is a software solution that is uh tailored to government that is trying to regulate the legal cannabis market and regulations and statutes are very different state by state which is one of the more frustrating parts of participating in the cannabis space and so what our platform allows is for uh, each of those regulations and laws to be, um, to be reflected within the system and properly configured. It's not designed in any sense to force people into compliance. So there's a lot of, one of the complaints about metric is that it's wide open. That's on purpose. Um, and so folks can, can do different things in the system if they want to, um, but it's not going to keep you from putting in information that is just the wrong information. And so there's over 350 discrete events in the supply chain that could occur from what's referred to as seed to sale the majority of these events don't actually happen at the the plant level, they're gonna happen at the package level. And so in certain states, like in California, that requires a distribution model, you could see plants and packages go through a number of distributors and a number of different testing cycles before they ultimately get to a consumer. So all of that activity is stored within metric. And so it's not really an inventory system, but a lot of people use it that way. It's not really a, um, a supply chain automation tool, but folks are able to leverage it that way. And so our, our contract exists directly with the states that choose to regulate cannabis, um, but our, our relationships and why I talk a lot about the expansion of uh, what we describe as a customer into the licensees is because the, of the 350,000 users that we have in a day-in-a-day-out basis, about 349,000 of them are in the industry, whereas only about 1,000 of them are in the government. So it's it's um, there's quite a bit there. Uh, we serve about two thirds of the legal states in the United States, um, and uh, and you know we're always open to grow more.
1: And yeah, that that I think that's helpful context. And two thirds of the legal states, three hundred and fifty thousand users, and three hundred and forty nine thousand of them are businesses operating in the industry versus the actual government. At at metric what is the like how does the team look is it folks that are like focused on winning the government licenses is it customer support like talk to us about a little bit like what the actual business of metric looks like at the inside of that you're Mm -hmm. overseeing
0: yes so uh we have about 150 employees about half of those are in support which is sounds pretty crazy um but we get a lot of support calls um the reason is certainly certainly there's challenges within the system and Uh, the challenges within any software system we we have we have our fair share of of difficulties and in in customers trying to navigate the system but i would say the vast majority of the calls and the vast majority of what, what we hear are folks that are trying to understand uh what they need to do to be compliant and so states do not generally have help desk for anything including the DMV. and so you end up calling metric to say like well why can't i why can't i do this why can't i break this you know package into into four separate packages before it's tested and so you know you can explain that in this particular state testing has to happen at this level and that's how the statute's written and whatnot and that's the vast majority and when I take support calls almost all of them are folks just trying to understand and navigate the regulations and they're complicated and statutes are complicated and you got a lot of folks that are even even the bigger ones that you think well we they know what they're doing they've been doing this for a long time they've got a lot of operations it's different in every single state so you learn it in oklahoma and then you you move over to missouri which is different um adult use is different than medical uh medical is different than medical medical in one state is different than medical in another so about half of our folks are dedicated directly to uh, trying to help support folks um i'd say another quarter of the business is in our technology team uh, focused on right now the number one thing we're focused on is improving performance and the experience for folks and so we Uh, We recently launched a new product called Metric Connect, which is a more robust API solution. Um, The original API for Metric uh, wasn't required. It wasn't, um, it it really wasn't intentional, to be honest. There was a a state contract that required that we have an API, but it wasn't something that was really invested in. It wasn't really the core focus of Metric. And now, you know, there's over 600 different third-party integrators in the cannabis space, many of whom integrate into Metric, um, and they're expecting something something that's more robust to be candid and they're expecting some are expecting some extra bells and whistles. And we certainly made that available. Um, and some are expecting, you know, just to be able to, to navigate the API, uh, in a way that I think is a little bit more in line with what you would generally expect from, from other larger scale software companies. And, um, for us, this is about the customer experience. Um, certainly not, not really anything different. It's not really a, a separate core offering, but folks that are, that are gonna integrate that are working with the licensees to provide them service. We wanna make sure that ultimately the licensees have the best experience and having the best experience in many ways is going to be um, based on our partnership and our experience with with customers who are third-party integrators. And so they're focused a lot on that um, and performance. There's not a whole lot of like new features and functionality that are on the horizon. There's certainly a few things that I'm excited about, um, but the vast majority of our efforts right now are improving performance and making sure that a metric is the most responsive, the flows work in the most intuitive way. Um, we definitely made some improvements. Um, we're definitely not done. There's a lot more ahead of us.
1: Well, to the 349,000 people listening, I mean, Michael is all over it, on the phone with customers, boots on the ground, visiting and customer experience. I am have 100% confidence that, you know, Every single year, it's going to continue getting better, and it will be. You know, no one likes going to the DMB. I think that's a great analogy. And so, if you can make the compliance experience great, I mean, how what a cool legacy would that be? Speaking of the 349,000 users, uh, the industry is struggling right now. As you know, we see it at Banks. There was there was every single year. There's been more jobs created than the year before until last year. There was jobs shrunk, um, You know we're seeing our clients really, really struggle. What are you seeing from your perspective, from a bird's eye view on the industry? Are you seeing what I'm seeing, that businesses are struggling, they're reducing staff, they're unable to reach profitability, they're some even closing down, um, you know, that, that's what I'm seeing, but I'm curious what you're seeing.
0: Uh, we're definitely seeing that. I, I think with the pendulum is starting to swing in some of the states that have been more um, more, more badly hit California Oregon Colorado really kind of the the original players um, you're definitely starting to see things shift back you see a wholesale pound, price per pound uh, really bouncing back quite a bit in California lately um, even in Michigan which is sort of the a little bit a little bit earlier I think in their right sizing of their of their uh, industry is starting to see a lot of, um, of increases and concentrate is certainly much higher than it was on a per liter basis a year ago um, Unfortunately, there there's going to be a bit of a bit of an ebb and flow with folks in the industry, uh, in any industry, and I think a lot of us forget that you know cannabis at scale has really only been around for a decade, and so it's going to go through some growing pains. Unfortunately, um, we are very much uh, in 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 the same boat as folks in these states because we get paid in a per plant or per package basis when fewer plants are produced, which has been the case in Colorado, Oregon, and California for, for the last few years. Um, it certainly affects us. And so we find ourselves in a, in a pretty similar situation um, as as many of the licensees. I, I think that you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to see a lot of movement to the industry. Um, I think the, the difficulty with folks being um, profitable is going to be something that will ultimately um, be improved upon when you look at the paces of, to e and access to capital, um, access to loans at a slightly lower rate, access to insurance at a little bit more of a, of a normal business rate, I certainly think those things are going to help. But ultimately, folks, just like any other industry, are getting, they're getting better, they're getting smarter, they're you know, producing higher quality product, they're producing it in a more efficient way. Um, and we, we see a massive increase in, in folks using and leveraging RFID through, mostly through our third-party integrators. StashTalks are a really good example of one um, where they're able to get very, very smart about what's going on in their fields, in their processes, um, being able to significantly increase yield and significantly increase profitability. And those folks, as, as you know, we get further down the line, those are the folks that I think are primed to be most successful because 280E will be something that will be addressed at some point. Um, access to capital will, will widen quite a bit more. And so I think that as as we get further down that line, the, the real winners, when we talk about this a few years from now, are going to be the ones that invested in trying to get very, very specific, very intentional uh, in their supply chains and in their processes.
1: What's your, I agree, and I, I really do think 280E is the big you know i'm excited about safe that it's back on the table maybe i'm curious mm-hmm. to hear your take but like it really feels to me like 280e is what the major like difference here is so but you know in terms of safe we've gotten so excited so many years in a row i ask hey. everyone this everyone has a different answer what what, what are your, what's your take on this summer with safe
0: I just wouldn't i wouldn't count on it yeah, uh and that's exactly. that's, not, that's not my prognostication as to whether or i think it'll pass or not i just i don't think if you're counting on it and you're you're waiting on a, something else to happen for you then you know mm-hmm. what happens if it doesn't and you get further and further behind you start looking at a lot of these uh especially the publicly traded uh cannabis businesses and like in in california the largest one just to california's glass house um, you look at some of the other ones that are that are getting pretty successful, like Green Thumb, I think was the last 10K I looked at. And you see a ton of these larger scale businesses that are that are achieving profitability or getting close to kind of break even from a cash perspective. Um, and they're doing that in spite of those challenges, you know, that are that, that ideally would be resolved via SAFE. Um, and if, if you're not on that on that pace, um, you know it's going to be a challenge it's going to be difficult for you to compete and so that's the way i would look at it uh, there's a reason why a lot of businesses when you evaluate just general businesses not cannabis withstanding pay really close attention to ebitda because it, it takes the consideration like those sort of non-cash elements out of the comparison and really allows you to kind of look at the operations um you know compared to compared to other businesses and, and kind of your profitability in that sense so I would look at that if your operating margins are such that you're profitable um, then you're, you're probably gonna be in pretty good shape. And, and I, would, I would recommend that everybody focuses on trying to be as profitable as possible. Use technology however you can. As I mentioned, you know, 70% of, of the licensees that we serve do not use another third-party integrator. Um, they should, everybody should. Um, there's a lot of really great products on the market. And I definitely recommend that folks get engaged in those to try and find ways to be smarter about what they're doing and to utilize the, the data that they've created to try and be more efficient and, and more profitable.
1: And I think it's a great point around just focusing on building the business in spite of the challenges. Because then, when Safe passes and 280 is removed, I mean that's all gravy. I mean, imagine how profitable if you, if you can be profitable now. Imagine how profitable you are when the market opens up. It's just it's a it's a it's a major ATM machine for the folks that can make it through. We've seen a lot of folks, you know, not um, prioritize profitability and continue to bank on changes in the industry happening, and then they don't happen, and then they end up being like wildly disappointed. So I completely agree with your advice to the audience of don't bank on it, and when it happens, it's it's gravy. So we're, we're coming up on, the, on our time here, but my last question for you is in your, so you've now been CEO of Metric for a year, what's one piece of advice you would have given yourself last year on, I think you said it was May 5th, when you stepped into the role of ceo so what's one tip you wish you could have told yourself on may 4th the day before your first day as ceo of metric
0: i think i would have asked if, if i was sure um <laughs> it's uh so i think what a lot of people don't know and and one of the reasons why you know i value you specifically and and a few others is it's it's kind of a lonely thing and i don't mean that in like a woe is me like where i'm fine you're fine but it is it is a it's kind of a lonely thing and in metric because I think we have been not uh, the very the, the most um, approachable business for a long time. A lot of the conversations I have with folks are literally, the first, they've been in business for 10 years and I'm the first person they've ever talked to from Metric. And so a lot of conversations have, have started with, I'm sorry, how can I help? Um, and we find out that there's a lot of things that I think folks dealt with uh, in the beginning, dealt with a few years ago, even a handful of years ago. I mean, somebody told me that they didn't get a support call back for you know, weeks. Um, that's unacceptable. That's also what's been anchored in, in somebody's mind based on for, for metric and what their metric experience is. And so just being able to get out there, being um, being resilient and understanding that, uh, that that there's some folks that have maybe not had the best experience and we have even more work to do than I thought probably would have been wonderful to know. Um, it was definitely, definitely a bit of an awakening. Uh, but I, I will tell you that the folks in cannabis are just so passionate and really committed to the craft. And um, when you when you are able to get one on one with folks and share with them, Hey, I, I want to help you with this. I want to make this better for you. Uh, we're able, as I mentioned, to kind of become a better painkiller, but also help them um, achieve something that I think maybe they otherwise thought not possible because of so many roadblocks that are ahead of them in, in being successful in cannabis, and there's a lot of challenges. Any regulated industry is going to have a lot of challenges. but We have the opportunity, I think, to make compliance a bit more frictionless and really be great partners to the industry. Uh, when I share that with folks, um, they generally uh, share with me some phenomenal ideas, some really exceptional ideas that we've actually baked into our roadmap, um, found out a number of different things that just, you know, we were definitely under the impression worked a certain way or were, were uh, well received, and they were not. Um, Sometimes the tiniest things can generate really amazing winds. Like I had somebody call me I'm very, very frustrated because there's snowflakes that apparently appear in metric uh, around Christmas time. And so some people are of the opinion that these snowflakes slow metric down or folks don't feel that way. But nevertheless, we remove removed them. You'd be amazed at how many people were, people that I'd never met before, like the snowflakes are gone. Thank you so much. Um, and the was folks- it like were that, Wait, or the or snowflakes
1: better. was supposed to be just like a holiday, like fun, cute thing?
0: Perception, and they were just trying to, you know, spread oh, the spirit, I guess, but the perception wasn't. <laughs> oh,
1: my it God. Okay. Was- oh. Well, listen, I genuinely, totally, one million percent believe in you as the CEO of Metric. I, every time I speak to you, you're, like I, I've said this a few times in this podcast, but you're out in the field meeting with the customers of this industry, taking the support calls and working to build a great customer experience for a tool that typically isn't great. So I would million percent believe in you. I really appreciate what you're doing for the industry. And I hope that everybody that's listening to this can give some grace to Metric because they are working their tails off to build a better cannabis industry and build great product. And so it sounds to me like your door is always open for feedback. If folks want to get in touch with metric to, you know, share the feedback to tell you to take the holiday snowflakes down, which by the way, is ridiculous. I think we should leave the holiday snowflakes up, but if it slows it down, you know, I'm sure we could work around it, but if folks want to get in touch, how do people get in touch with you? Um, or, or to metric, how, how should folks connect?
0: Yeah. Metrics available on, I think all social channels. Um, I'm, I'm easiest. You're going to get me quickest. Uh, just email me directly. And I, and I hope anybody and everybody does. Johnson at metric.com. Um, I, you know, I, there's not one conversation I don't want to have. So, um, if you haven't had a great experience, uh, that's, that's helpful. Let me know. Let's see if we can fix it for you. If we can't, let's, let's see if we can, um, improve the product such that that problem's not a problem anymore. Uh, I genuinely want to make it the best experience possible. I really can't thank you enough, Carson, for having me on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There you have it, folks. Uh, The CEO of Metric just shared his email and is open to your Mm -hmm. customer feedback. We are committed to making this a great product. So it was a great time having you on the show. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for joining.
0: Thanks for listening to today's show.
2: Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.